Firefighters, what's the dumbest person you had to save in a stupid situation? I once had a firefighter tell me that he almost died in a house fire while going back into the house to look for the owner. A neighbor was concerned about why the firefighter was still in the residence, so he asked another firefighter. This is about how the exchange went. Neighbor, why is that fireman still in the house? Firefighter, he's looking for the owner of the home. He's right over there with the video camera. Turns out the owner did not think it was important to alert the fire department he was out of the house. Instead, he was just taking a video of the whole event. The fire started because the owner had tried to smother his barbecue cooker flame with leftover wood from the siding that had been installed on his home. The owner did not realize it would burn. Burned his whole house down. Dummy tried to cross a 300-foot span of raging river in zero-degree weather on a snowmobile and the machine was recovered days later. I'm not a firefighter, but I used to do a lot of disaster response work. Hurricane Floyd, Eastern North Carolina. I had a farmer with a large family that refused to evacuate his house. Stubborn idiot. River had broke loose, floodwaters were coming up fast, and the police had given up on changing his mind. I drove my truck right up into his yard, rolled down the window, and asked him to dress his kids in something orange or bright yellow. He asked me why, and I said, so body recovery will be able to distinguish them from all the dead pigs floating around. He told me to F off, but five minutes later, he had the whole family in the vehicle, and they got the heck out. The first hurricane I worked was Fran back in 96. Fran was bad, with heavy wind damage, roads closed, trees down everywhere, cars crushed, and power lines down for weeks. Floyd taught me that flooding is a hell of a lot worse. The devastation from flooding was far worse than anything Fran did. And the pigs. God. Took a week to get the smell of rotting pigs out of my clothes. I couldn't eat ham for a good three years after Floyd. We needed to close the main connection through a forest over the winter because the trees were falling faster on the road than we could remove them due to way too much snow falling. Also, the redirection was more than an hour longer due to the snow. Some cars thought they would come through but turned around as soon as they saw the trees on the road. One semi also thought he'd get through. He drove up to the trees and called the fire brigade and complained why we didn't remove the trees. As he was calling, a bunch of trees behind him also fell, locking him in. It stood there one month before the trees and the snow could get removed by us, so that at least the semi could back out. We needed another month until the road was free again. Former firefighter slash EMT. Easily the dumbest person I encountered was a mother of four who decided it would be an awesome idea to get a Facebook slash Instagram worthy picture of her kids, all under age 10, sitting in a rowboat. Mother untied it from the dock and thought she'd just pull them back with the rope that she forgot to hold on to. They floated half a mile down the river before the two oldest boys managed to grab a branch hanging over the bank. It was really surreal to see four young kids, all in matching clothing, sitting in a boat, waiting to be rescued. I have no idea what happened after, but they were physically fine. Just scared, a little tired, but the mum was in full-blown panic mode and kept getting in our way. I hope she's making better choices now. I was called to a home to get a pie out of the oven before it caught fire. The lady went to the store and was delayed for some reason. She called 911 to have the fire department take the pie out of the oven and place it on the stove. The call came in as something stuck in the oven and unable to turn off stove. Still the number one call in 32 years. Need to get a pie out of the oven? How about someone to put out the embers in your fireplace? Ring 911 for our personal home chore service today. Years ago, we had this call straight out of Caddyshack. Some guy had gotten tired of this gopher ruining his yard. 
Little did he know, though, he was facing the Sun Tzu of gophers. The homeowner, dwelling upon his experience from Vietnam, decided that the best way to deal with the gopher was to treat the situation like a Viet Cong tunnel. In lieu of a frag grenade, he poured a five-gallon can of gasoline down the gopher hole, waited with a varmint gun, and lit it off. The ensuing explosion caused a small crater to form in his yard. I'm still thoroughly impressed that there was proper fuel-to-air ratio in the network of tunnels that allowed for such an explosion to happen. However, the gopher refused to surrender without a fight. The gopher ran out of the hole, engulfed in flames, causing the guy's yard to catch fire. The gopher sprinted into the guy's shed, still on fire, and burrowed into a void space in the wall, where he died. Like the martyr perk from Modern Warfare, his still flaming remains set the inside of the wall on fire, as well as several flammables. In the end, the guy's backyard was ruined and about a quarter of his shed burned down, taking out a bunch of power tools and a zero-turn mower. He definitely would have saved a few thousand dollars if he had hired an exterminator. I'm not the firefighter, but my brother's wife at the time was. There was this massive structure fire at a barn in town that drew out nearly every truck in the general area, like three towns worth of firefighters trying to get this thing under control. During all of this, there was some lady who continuously called 911 asking over and over again, What's going on at the farm up the road? According to her, this woman would have to be a complete moron not to realize what was going on, as the fire could be seen for miles. Fast forward later into the night, and one of the ambulances on scene suddenly leaves. Obviously not normal for this sort of situation, but there isn't much time to question it. Fast forward still, and as things are finally starting to calm down and are under control, one of the volunteers on the original ambulance comes over in his own car and shuffles sheepishly over to her and the chief of their department. He tells them that there is a woman a little ways down the road who called the ambulance, hence why they left, and requires a lift assist, but absolutely refuses to let the EMTs do it. No, no. It has to be a firefighter. My brother's wife, seeing that the other departments have things under control, goes with the man to see what's up. Apparently, it's the same woman who had called 911 over and over again, and when they arrive, she is laying on the floor absolutely wailing. EMTs say they can't find anything wrong from what they've been able to do, but with her requested firefighter, they are finally able to get this woman up. They start asking her what happened, hoping she might be more willing to share with my brother's wife there, and she says, I was just feeling a little ignored. I figured this would get your attention. Grown woman just laid herself on the floor, called for help, insisted on the firefighter when there was no need, all because the barn fire was getting way more attention than she was and the 9-11 operators wouldn't give her the gossip about what was going on. I know she got in major trouble for abusing 911, but from what I hear from the people on both fire and ambulance, she has made a habit of calling for help whenever she feels she is not getting enough attention. I was a Navy corpsman, so this one is probably a bit of a reach, but whatever. Marine comes to sick call with seriously beaten up eggplant, like lacerations, bruising, thing was really messed up. Asked him what he did and he insisted that what happened was that he had a surprise boner and it hit his zipped up pants zipper and basically went all garbage disposal on his junk. Dude would not drop this narrative no matter how many times we told him that this just doesn't happen. Finally, Doc, the actual MD, comes in and tells him enough of this crap, yada yada, writes him up for malingering, need the full story. Dude jammed his wiener into the back of a computer tower. According to him, there was an opening back there, probably because old PC towers in the Navy routinely had stuff swapped out and they didn't always cover openings when things were removed. So, because he was an effing donkey, he stuck his finger in it and felt a light tingling sensation as his skin made contact with something electrical. So he took the next logical step and whipped out his eggplant and shoved it in the back of his computer. 
What he did not account for was that the opening had sharp metal edges. But once inside, he got that tingling feeling, so he felt like he might as well finish the job before he pulled out. Plus, and this is where I had to stop myself from laughing, he felt it was smarter to pull himself out flaccid rather than hard. Taps forehead. This was not a young man. This was not a man without rank. The men and women in charge of the defense force of your shores, America, sleep soundly at night knowing that there is no threat they won't investigate from every possible orifice. I mean, angle. Two I can recall, one specific. The specific one was a young girl around teenage years who decided those toddler swings with the seat you stick your legs through like a little basket so the kids can't fall out was made for a teenage girl. She got stuck and lost blood flow to her legs. We had to cut her down and get her to the hospital to have it safely removed due to it basically becoming a tourniquet on both her legs. The other is general, but it's people who didn't wear a seatbelt and the people they killed as a result. You have less control of a vehicle when you're not being held in place, so those wrecks are more common as the first sign of trouble your butt moves in the seat and reduces your ability to control the vehicle. You also become a projectile. If you're lucky, you only kill yourself. If you're not, you wind up bouncing around and killing a passenger. Also, the leading cause of partial ejections and re-entry to vehicles since nothing was holding them to the seats. So many times I could have just been there cutting someone out of a seat and them being barely beat up, but instead they had been scalped and died or hit their kid or spouse or family member or friend and killed them. One in particular I remember was a large man not wearing a seatbelt in an overturned truck. He woke up while we were working on him cutting the passenger side up to get down to him as the vehicle was on its side, driver side down. He kept asking us how his son was. At first, we didn't get it. Then we realized he was laying on his 15 to 16 year old son and due to the man's size, we didn't see him. The son was wearing a seatbelt, but he died because his father smashed into him and smothered him to death while we worked, rather than just wear a seatbelt extender so his seatbelt fit. Also, don't lie to us about if you wore it. Your seatbelt won't fire the pretensioners if they are not engaged in the slot. They are designed that way. There is a circuit that is completed by the belt being clicked in place, which is also how your car knows your passengers are wearing a seatbelt or not and sets off that obnoxious alarm. There is also a sensor in the passenger front seat of most modern vehicles to detect the weight of a small person, which is why your sodas or pizzas or whatever set off the alarm. Just wear the gosh darn seatbelt and don't lie. If you were wearing it, I won't be able to pull tons of slack on it when I arrive. Guess what goes in the report as the determining factor your insurance sees as to if you should have your medical covered as a result of the accident? Yep, I don't know what they do with the information, but I have to write that on the report. It wasn't really his fault, but we had an old guy in a nursing home get his balls stuck in a shower chair. This is my dad's story, not mine, but I've heard it so many times I think I can accurately tell it here. My dad was on the Boston Fire Department for a little over 35 years. For 13 of those years, he worked at a fire station in Dorchester. In Dorchester, there is a zoo, the Franklin Park Zoo. One morning in late September, they get a call to the Franklin Park Zoo for a young girl mauled by a gorilla. This is the sort of call they'd get all the time. Gorilla jumps at the glass, kid gets scared, parents panic and call 911. So they hop in the truck and ride on over. It's one of those kind of foggy fall mornings as they walk into the zoo. A couple of the other firefighters start walking into the zoo as my dad notices a man sitting on a bench holding a little girl in his arms. Assuming this is what the call is for, he walks over to the man. The little girl has a scrape on her forehead and she's crying, but is otherwise fine. The man looks like he just saw a ghost. So my dad asks the guy what's going on. The man just says, Little Joe is out. My dad says, 
What does that mean? The man just repeats, Little Joe is out. So my dad says, Who the F is Little Joe? Little Joe is a 500-pound adolescent male silverback gorilla, loose in the streets of Boston. It's right about now my dad realizes that he's not exactly qualified to handle a gorilla. But he doesn't know who to call, so he calls everyone. Two minutes later, the fire chief shows up, not knowing what the call was about yet, and jumps out of his car saying, Mark, Mark, is this about an effing gorilla? My dad says, yeah, but how did you hear that? The chief says, he's standing at the bus stop on Seaver Street. Now the SWAT team shows up, hats on backwards, M16s in hand, and my dad, being the smart ass he is, looks at the sergeant and says, hey, I don't think this thing is armed. He caught a bit of flack for that later on. Animal Control and the SWAT team worked together to take down Little Joe. It took 14 tranquilizer darts before he finally went unconscious. Little Joe is still alive and well at the Franklin Park Zoo. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The gorilla had clearly seen the film Madagascar and was attempting to emulate the animal's escape and waiting for the bus. I think we can all feel a little better knowing it didn't get gunned down by a SWAT team. A motorist had a bad alternator and the car died while they were driving. The electric lock control stopped working. We were dispatched for a person trapped in a motor vehicle. On arrival, the advice was to manually lift the lock knob. You can easily tell the ones who will not survive the first 24 hours of the zombie apocalypse. Reading your story reminds me of one of mine. Called to a lockout. Get to the location and am met with, we just need a jump start and think, okay, wrong call. Get out the cables and ask them to pop the hood. Oh, we can't. We're locked out. Driver is holding keys in hand. Passenger window is down. I start backing away, assuming some kind of theft scam. They actually thought they were locked out because the key fob wasn't unlocking the door. It turns out the fob battery had died. Showed them how to use the key after checking ID against the registration retrieved through the open window. Vehicle battery was not dead. Firefighter slash paramedic in suburb of Phoenix. Had to transport a guy to the ER because he was constipated. His wife tried to dig it out with a wooden spoon. Spoon got stuck and hurt to move it. Walked in and there's a 250-pound man, butt naked, lying on his side with a huge wooden spoon stuck halfway up his butt. My dad was witness to someone being stupid and rescued by a firefighter. My dad worked for IBM's AS400, a mainframe system, tech support division for over 10 years, 1992 to 2003. A customer called in because he needed to run a report and send it out to the networked printer. For whatever reason, the report was failing to generate and the guy on the phone was freaking out because some corporate bigwig demanded that this report be printed and on his desk by 3pm. Just another day at work. About 10 minutes into the call, my dad starts to hear this strange high-pitched noise in the background. Dad. Uh, if you don't mind my asking, what's that noise in the background? Caller. Oh, that's the fire alarm. Fire alarm? Yeah, the building is on fire. Far be it for me to tell you what to do, but shouldn't you get out of there? Dan, you don't understand. I have to get this report printed. Now, are you going to help me or not? So they continue to troubleshoot the issue. A few minutes after that, my dad hears shouting in the background. Dad. Um, there seems to be a lot of yelling in the background. Is everything okay? 
Cola. Yeah, it's fine. It's just the firefighters evacuating the building. Shouldn't you have to get out of there too? Dan, I absolutely have to get this report printed. Are you going to help me? I'm not sure that I should. We pay our support contract. I have to get this printed and you have to help me. It's almost 3 p.m. It's just a report. I don't think it's worth risking your life. The caller starts to get furious when the shouting in the background gets much louder. A firefighter has come over to the guy on the phone and starts barking orders at him to get out of the building. The caller tells the firefighter, Look, I have to print this report before 3 p.m. and I can't leave until it's printed. Over the phone, my dad hears the firefighter scream, I don't give a damn about your goddamn report. The building is on fire. Now move! There is a scuffling noise and the phone handset on the other end drops to the ground as the firefighter physically drags the caller away. After that, all dad could hear was the sound of the fire alarm and various crackling noises. Needless to say, the report did not get printed by 3 p.m. New job interview question. Would you be willing to stay in a burning building to print a report? I've gotten the impression that Americans take their jobs too seriously, or at the very least, their employers expect them to. Would you be willing to work extra time without overpay if necessary? In a minimum wage job interview. Had a drunk guy in Antarctica chase a penguin. Penguin stuck his beak through the offending drunk guy's calf. He got sent home, and a report on international treaty breach wound up on some congress member's desk. Oh, McMurdo, how I miss thee. Is anyone else surprised at the fighting potential of penguins? Now I think about it, an emperor penguin is about the size of a hobbit, and I generally assume that any animal bigger than a medium dog can outfight me. Obligatory clarification that I'm not a firefighter, but I was working with them that day. So back in my harbour master days, the town would have a 4th of July fireworks display every year. They would bring in a barge with something like 2,000 big old mortars on it. We, along with the Coast Guard, State Environmental Police, and a few local cops with boats, would set up a stay-back area around the barge for the show. Nothing serious ever happened, so we generally sat around with the best seats in the house. So we were all sitting around there celebrating our independence by annihilating as much of the sky as the town budget would allow. About two-thirds of the way through, I noticed a small fire on the front of the barge, so I give everyone a heads-up on the radio. From a distance, we see one of the crew run across the barge vomiting projectiles into the sky with a fire extinguisher in his hand. About the same time as he arrives, the fire flares up big time. The guy just throws the fire extinguisher into said fire and starts running back to where apparently they had a protected area. Before he makes it back, there is a massive flare-up explosion. Everybody hits their lights and starts hauling butt to get to the crew. We were the second ones to arrive, and one of the assistant HMs is yelling at the crew to get off the barge. There are dozens of fireworks going off, and you can feel an intense heat every single time. Balls of fire just flying every which way. The crew is refusing to leave, and one guy is yelling at my coworker that they can't because all of their belongings were on the front of the barge, where the fireworks were exploding in their tubes. The look on my guy's face was priceless. He just reaches up and starts pulling people down into his boat. I think by the time he grabbed the second guy, they all got the message and started jumping in. We all speed out of there ASAP. Somehow the only injuries were minor from them jumping into the boat. Though I did hear that one of the Coast Guard boats won itself a nice hole in the roof. I never actually saw it. We then make a call to the tugboat that brought the barge to turn its water cannon on the thing. We got a big negatory from them on that one as they weren't going anywhere near the thing. The next option was to call the volunteer fire department. The problem was that they didn't have a fireboat, just trucks. So the possibly inebriated firemen need to commandeer the local three-car ferry and use that to get their truck to the barge. 
It took them about 30 minutes to get there and foam the thing down. It was a pretty funny sight watching them trundle on by, having a laugh about being on a ferry. We actually had to bring in the freaking bomb squad from the local large city, but they couldn't make it till the next day. When we finally got the report, the fire was caused by, you guessed it, all of the crew's belongings which were apparently sitting next to the mortars and not with them behind the barrier. The kicker was all of the company's insurance and licenses, etc., were with their stuff, so they were all gone too. Just all-round fun in small-town America.